sit back and relax. And you're listening to episode 203 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Iskowitz, founder of Ezra Group Consulting. This podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices all around wealth management technology. My guest for this episode is uh, Mike Shaw, CEO and founder of SigFig. Uh, you may have heard Mike Shaw on our program before. Uh, also, uh, we've written a couple of blog posts where he has been on panels at conferences um, where we were together speaking at conferences. So uh, we go back a bit. Uh, Mike launched SigFig in 2011. It's almost been 13 years. Uh, previously, he was a CEO and co-founder of a website called Wiki Invest, which uh, then they rolled into SigFig. Uh, you know, SigFig was one of the early providers of direct-to-consumer wealth management uh, tools and technologies. It was very, very popular. Uh, they got to deal with Yahoo uh, back in the day, and then uh, they added uh, B2B, and now they're one of the the, uh, the biggest uh, B2B digital advice uh, vendors. Uh, before uh, SigFig and Wiki Invest, Mike worked at Amazon, one of the early employees from 2001. I think Amazon was founded in 99. I remember they went public in 99. Uh, so he was uh, one of the earlier employees, 2001, 2005. Uh, Mike and I always hit it off because we're both uh, comp sci people. He has a master's, though. I don't have a master's, just a just a lowly undergrad comp sci major as I am I. Um, SigFig has raised a total of $120 million in funding, and their Series E round was uh, in June of 2018. Early this year, back in February of 2023, uh, SigFig announced a deal with Santander Bank where they will be using SigFig software to build their digital advice channel. All right, uh, before we get started with the interview, I have a message for executives at wealth management firms. Your tech debt is holding back your business growth. Your old software is old and rusted and falling apart and needs an overhaul. Your different systems don't communicate with each other and it's driving your ops team and your advisors crazy with manual processes and errors. So if you're in charge of technology or operations for a broker dealer, an RIA, a family office, a TAMP, you should run, not walk to our website, ezragroup.com, and fill out the contact us form on the homepage. Our experienced team can evaluate your current tech ecosystem. Uh, we'll deliver targeted recommendations, optimize your existing systems or operations. We can run an RFP, help you select and implement new software that will take your firm to the next level. You can uh, take advantage of our free cons uh, consultation by going to ezragroup.com. All right, a couple of housekeeping items before we continue. Um, if you are interested in some uh, charitable work, please check out the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation at investinothers.org. They just had their annual gala, so you missed it, but you can get involved and be in attendance next year uh, here in Boston. That's uh, a great, it's a great, uh, organization, great charity. They um, raise money for charities that advisors are working with. So they uh, do a broad range of charitable uh, giving. I'm a judge for one of their panels uh, to decide which charity gets the money. Uh, there's all lots of needy, needy charities out there. They need some more money so we can distribute more to these great charities. So please go to investinothers.org. Uh, Go to uh, subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. All right, let's kick this thing off. Hey, I'm excited to introduce our next guest. It is Mike Shaw, founder and CEO of SigFig. Hey, Mike, thanks for coming on the program, man. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. It is exciting that you're, that you're here. I'm glad we could work it out. I know you're very busy. Where are you calling in from? Uh, San Francisco. 
me and uh, four other people who have stayed in the Bay Area. Right. There are some people who stayed, I think. I'm pretty sure there's a couple people still hanging around, still dealing with all the issues. Um, and we were talking earlier, you uh, you guys have gone fully remote. We have. Uh, yeah, we have a global team uh, spread across quite a few countries. And uh, we were already very remote friendly before the pandemic. But of course, you know, uh, the pandemic opened up lots of new talent pools and we love that. So, you know, it's been great to be able to hire the best people in the world from wherever they want to be. I would agree. Uh, Ezra Group, we've always been remote. So we, we felt the same way. You know, COVID didn't bother us. Well, I know I remember we were just talking about how uh, I was at a happy hour at your San Francisco office. So that was a beautiful office. I'm sorry you uh, you closed that. Yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, you miss kind of seeing people every day. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we've tried to augment uh, being remote with obviously, you know, fun, interactive activities virtually, but even more importantly, being able to have team members get together in person. So, yep. you know, being able to build relationships, obviously, is uh, still an important part of, uh, you know, having a good time and doing good work. I would agree with you 100%. Uh, let's dive in. Can you give the audience a 30-second overview, elevator pitch of SIGFIG? Sure. Yeah, we work with um, quite a few financial institutions, um, basically helping to uh, accelerate their digital transformation and their their whole kind of move to digital and adoption of technology. Um, historically, you know, many firms know of us uh, because we were one of the first B2B robo-advisors. So back when kind of robo-advice was kind of a big thing. Um, over the years, you know, our product line has really expanded quite a bit. So we've built uh, a lot of technology for actually traditional financial advisors to use. Um, and that's a big part of who we are and what we do. We've also built, you know, a bunch of new product lines um, in the kind of virtual collaboration and the sales effectiveness space and, you know, trying to drive lead gen and growth. So, you know, we've tapped into, you know, lots of new areas, but, you know, a big part of who we are is, you know, we believe that, you know, the 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 usage of technology in the wealth management industry is nowhere near where it could be. And the best way to kind of have a big impact uh, on the industry is to actually work with traditional financial institutions, uh, put better products, better technologies in their hands so that, you know, all of the clients that they serve can access the latest and greatest happening uh, in the tech, tech space. Everyone wants the latest and greatest, Mike. I haven't met a, a, a client of mine that doesn't want the latest and greatest. The issue is how do they deploy it? How do they integrate it into their existing technology and, and get their advisors to use it? You know, adoption is always an issue. Yeah. One thing we've been talking about a lot is, and everyone's been talking about, is artificial intelligence. Uh, so I want to touch on that a little bit. Can you talk about your thoughts on AI. What is what is SigFig doing? Are you just kicking the tires? Uh, how do you see AI fitting into your product line? Yeah. You know, it's a great question. And, you know, I think a lot of people's exposure to AI comes from, you know, what they see in the in the media. And so I think the first thing to talk about is, you know, when you look at AI, what does it really mean? And, um, you know, I think one of the common misperceptions is that because ChatGPT and conversational interfaces and, um, you know, uh, large language models, like they, that's what's all the rage, right? That's what's getting all the media attention. A lot of people equate those things to AI when it turns out that AI is a much bigger umbrella of technologies. So, you know, you think about, um, you know, natural language processing being an area, you think about um, the whole kind of decision support space. So neural networks, um, 
Uh, there are just so many subfields in AI. And even though, you know, the conversational side of the world has gotten a lot of the world's attention right now, um, I actually think some of the most interesting applications in wealth management um, go well beyond, you know, kind of what ChatGPT does and, and you know, chatbots and things like that. So the first thing to think, to, to kind of recognize, at least from our perspective, is that the deployment and development of AI technologies and wealth will leverage a much broader universe of underlying technologies than just some of the language stuff that's getting a lot of attention. Um, another kind of I'd say area to kind of think about is, you know, what are the most important problems to solve with AI? Um, you know, when I look at the way the world's been talking about AI, you know, I think it falls into a few buckets that actually have some pretty direct translations to the wealth management industry. And so, you know, I think the big three themes that we think about are one, instead of thinking about AI replacing jobs, actually, how does AI help augment the capabilities of humans and providers. So that's kind of one big theme. Um, the second theme is around automation. You know, there are going to be plenty of areas where um, there's an opportunity to leverage AI to create a lot more efficiency and a lot more scalability through automation. And then the third angle is really about how AI can help augment the client experience, right? We're all here to serve clients and there's no doubt that AI will be used to improve, you know, the actual client experience. Um, and so in each of those buckets, you know, very different applications, very different use cases. But I think we're big believers that, you know, AI is absolutely uh, a super important trend happening in um, technology and, you know, will have very direct benefits to the wealth management industry. You mentioned a much broader universe of technology more than just ChatGPT. Can you give us some examples of what other technology you see being incorporated into AI solutions? Sure. Yeah. So um, let's start with um, some of the more important buckets. Um, there are some fields in AI. They're called, um, you know, depending on kind of which subfield, uh, sometimes people refer to it as expert systems. Some people refer to it as machine learning. Um, some people refer to it as neural networks. All of these areas have some amount of similarity, which is essentially using artificial intelligence and technology to improve decision-making systems. And so if you think about the importance of making good decisions in the investment space, uh, giving good advice, uh, the right recommendations, optimal financial planning, um, even actually the early days of robo-advice, right? People thought of robo-advice as algorithmic asset management. Sure. Um, you know, there, there, it, 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 it really shocked me. You know, I was not an industry insider. So the earlier part of my career I spent at Amazon, not inside of a bank. And, you know, as I got to know the industry, it's just amazing how much middle and back office work is still done manually. Um, and in all of those areas, you know, AI will be incredibly impactful in both increasing quality and scalability and consistency with how business is done, while at the same time, you know, likely reducing cost, you know, through automation. And so that's kind of a big general area. Um, now, I think when you really get down to it, like, well, what are the applications, you know, like, is it about portfolio rebalancing? Is it about um, principal review? Is it about um, uh, algorithms that help give financial advice? You know, like these are all going to be areas 
that are going to be relevant applications of AI that go beyond kind of conversational LLMs. Um, you've got um, other uh, kind of uh, buckets of things. So um, uh, actually automated data extraction is kind of an interesting area. Um, you know, there's a lot of paperwork involved in the investment business. Um, and it turns out that AI is going to be used quite effectively to actually ingest and analyze and optimize paperwork. Um, so, you know, when you talk to advisors, one of the things that you hear is that paperwork is just so painful. Um, so if that's kind of a day in and day out kind of part of doing business, you know, how can AI be used to actually make all of that kind of paperwork and workflow, you know, a lot more easy for all involved, whether you're the advisor or the client. Have you done uh, working on any specific areas of automated data extraction? There's a number of firms that have started out, already started up startups that are automating data extraction, whether estate planning forms, tax forms, and others. So are there any particular areas you guys are looking at? Yeah. Yeah. One of our product lines is called Engage. And, you know, with Engage, uh, I'll give you the setup of it. Um, you know, Engage uh, for us was a product that was born during the pandemic and started out as a product uh, designed to help facilitate virtual collaboration. So imagine you're a financial advisor and you're meeting with a client. Um, if you are doing any virtual collaboration today, it's probably, you know, using like a video conferencing tool, you know, like Zoom or Teams or, you know, something like that. Um, and, you know, we ended up building Engage because we believe that you know, the power of virtual collaboration in finance is actually um, extends well beyond video conferencing. And so we kind of built this tool that integrated um, technology to actually facilitate collaboration with clients. So let's say you're doing like a financial plan or you're doing, um, you know, a needs discovery. You know, these are kind of interactions that advisors have with clients traditionally through verbal conversation. You know, you kind of talk to clients. But it turns out you can leverage technology to make that conversation a lot more interactive, a lot more collaborative. Um, and so that was part of what we did. Another part of what we did was really built around workflow. So how can you make day-to-day -day common workflows that advisors engage with clients on easier to complete? So whether that's paperwork or account opening and onboarding, moving of assets, uh, financial planning, you know, these are all really essential workflows related to how advisors interact with clients. And so to your earlier question, you know, how are we using some of these kind of AI technologies to help facilitate all this? Yep. It turns out that, you know, a lot of what I just said can be made easier, better, faster um, by leveraging AI. So for example, if you are an advisor um, interacting with a client on Engage, um, Engage can actually help assist you in that meeting, um, whether it's, um, you know, observing and analyzing what's actually being discussed and actually surfacing the right content, the right links, the right information so that the advisor can, can bring that uh, as part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. um, on paperwork, you know, absolutely. You know, the, the bank actually frequently has large amounts of data, you know, in their middle and back office. And so if you can connect that data to the paperwork and map the fields, you can actually fill out the paperwork a lot more easily, you know, so that the advisor doesn't have to sit there and kind of type it all in. Um, there are um, obviously, uh, you know, we didn't talk about, you know, kind of conversational analysis and chat GPT and all that stuff, but um, I don't mean to downplay that, you know, there will be lots of applications of language 
um, AI as it relates to, you know, kind of wealth and investing. Um, and so that's, you know, yet another area where, um, you know, we're seeing some really interesting use cases to essentially help the advisor um, run a better meeting. Um, and so, you know, one of the things that's kind of interesting is some of the AI features are actually present during the meeting, right? So I might be meeting with a client, we're talking about, you know, the fact that I just got married or had a kid or changed jobs. And, you know, the AI will actually be able to analyze the words being said and actually recommend different actions, different paperwork, different topics that the advisor might want us, you know, kind of engage with the client based on what, you know, the client is actually saying. But some of the AI actually is involved in helping the advisor, you know, before or after the meeting. So, you know, one of the things that, you know, um, I think we've seen in the world is, um, you know, Salesforce has done an incredible job, you know, kind of covering the market and getting lots of firms to, you know, spend lots of money getting onto Salesforce. Um, they're a great company, they're a great product, but one of the most common things that I see with firms who have adopted Salesforce or are in the process of adopting Salesforce is that once they've spent all this money and they've kind of, you know, implemented all this kind of software, they step back after the first few months and they realize that all of their hopes and dreams for what Salesforce can do for you, they're not quite coming true. And one of the frequent kind of uh, failure points is that Salesforce's effectiveness in kind of collecting and tying all the data that you know the firm has about a client is completely reliant on the data actually getting into the system. And you know, really, when you think about real-world usage of Salesforce, um, the best firms that adopt Salesforce, you know, optimally have some way of ensuring that advisors are actually putting all the data that they're collecting into Salesforce. And unfortunately, the way the real the way the real world works, um, advisors are not actually doing that very much. You know, it's a lot of effort, a lot of time, a lot of work after a meeting is over, uh, when you're probably trying to run to your next meeting or you know, kind of do do your next thing. Um, you know, most people don't take the half hour it takes to kind of write it all up and type it all in. Um, and so one example of like where AI can be used after the meeting is through automated meeting summaries. So, you know, if you run a meeting on Engage, we're able to kind of analyze, transcribe, record the meeting. We can actually synthesize the most important things that were happening in the meeting. We can prepare automated meeting notes and summaries for the advisor so they don't actually have to write it all up in advance. And then to the extent any structured information was shared during the meeting. So, you know, let's say you were the advisor, I was the client, you were asking me, oh, you know, what's happened in your life and how's your family and, you know, this, that, and the other. I mean, I'm sharing all kinds of information that's actually structured information, right? Um, but again, that information does not end up in a structured way in the databases of most, you know, financial institutions. So what AI can do is actually automatically extract all of the structured information from the conversation and store it in a structured way so that all the other systems that might be able to benefit from, you know, leveraging, you know, knowledge of my age or my wife's age or how many kids I have or how much money I have or whatever is that, you know, piece of data, all of that data can kind of automatically be kind of properly stored, you know, in the systems. So how did yeah. you get to this, if I can interrupt? So you started out, right? People think of SigFig as a wealth platform, right? As you mentioned, you started as a B2B robo, you built out traditional advisor technology, all makes perfect sense. 
how did you get to this part? This is a very different capability that people wouldn't normally think of SigFig as providing. So yeah. this, the product is called Engage. Uh, a couple questions. One, has it been launched? Is it in production? If it is, you listed a lot of features and functionality. What features and functionality are available now? Which ones are on the roadmap? Yeah, yeah, it's launched. Uh, how did we get here? You know, I think we got here partly by, you know, working closely with our partners, you know, understanding what are they their pain points, where are they trying to go? And one of the patterns that we saw emerge is, um, you know, there are a lot of firms that have very, very large audiences of mass affluent clients that they view as growth opportunities. You know, historically, the wealth management firms have tended to focus on kind of high net worth clients. Um, but for the, the banks and the insurance companies and the wealth management firms that we work with, there's oftentimes a very large pool of, um, you know, mass affluent clients, you know, a step below kind of high net worth. And those clients represent high volume and in aggregate represent large AUM. But in order to serve that client well, you need a scalable, efficient model. You know, and so us being a technology company, it became quite clear that part of what we could do is build technology to create a better client experience, but also a more scalable business model in serving, you know, kind of mass affluent clients. Now, when you look at the way firms want to serve mass affluent clients, one of the trends that you tend to see is that firms, instead of having like the traditional field-based advisor model, they're moving towards more of like a centralized team-based model, contact center-based model. So, you know, Vanguard was an early pioneer in this. You know, they have this uh, personal advisor services. You know, all of those advisors are like in a contact center centralized. You know, they're not out in bank branches or anything like that. Mm -hmm. um, and again, one of the things that you see is that the type of advisor that they are trying to hire for that is usually a little bit younger, a little bit less experienced. And also a little bit more open to management guidance. Hmm. Whereas a traditional field-based advisor, they're usually a little bit older, they're more experienced, they're more sophisticated, and they're sometimes resistant to kind of firm-based, you know, kind of guidance on how they should be doing their job. And so all of that, when you put it all together, you know, with Engage, we realize that, okay, we can build some technology that can make the, the, the interactions that advisors have with clients much more effective, much more efficient. And we can leverage AI to create much more um, scalability in you know, the way that you know, advisors are actually interacting with those clients. And then for the home office, one of the things that you want is you want more consistency, right? You think about the risk and compliance implications, the desire to have kind of a high quality service model. You don't wanna have like a thousand advisors where every advisor does something different. Right. So all of that kind of walks back towards the idea of leveraging more modern technology to kind of run your business. And so that's kind of how we started, right? We started in robo advice, then we expanded to kind of advisor technology, then we expanded to kind of virtual collaboration. And then it turns out that there are AI implications in all of those kind of fields. And so, you know, we've kind of grown and expanded, you know, over time just by following, you know, what are the biggest problems and pain points that we can solve for our partners? So is the, the um, automated recording of client meetings, generating summaries, extracting structured data, can I use that now? Is that available? Yeah. So our teams um, have been building that. Uh, we're using that internally. 
And, um, you know, by the time this uh, podcast goes live, uh, it'll probably be live in the market. That'll be incredible. If I can, as an advisor, I'd want that as a consultant. I mean, uh, I use AI tools to record my client meetings, but then I've got to go back. It'll do a quick summary, but it's not going to send data to my CRM and create tasks and kick off workflows and things to get done. And also the summary needs tweaking. The summaries are never good enough to, to send to the client. We always send a transcript on our projects. Uh, of our calls with clients that we're, review, we're reviewing deliverables, a strategy, and we send them an automated summary. We always have to tweak it. So how, and you're talking some pretty impressive capabilities, surfacing the right links and supporting data during the meeting, right? Yeah. So that means the company has to have their own private LLM that's got all the source of knowledge in, in that company, right? So there's a lot of other capabilities that need to be in place for this tool to work. Yep. Yeah, one of the things actually that's been really nice about being a vertical software company um, is that we specialize and focus on financial services, right? So you're going to see AI companies out there that are building kind of generalized AI across industries, across domains. And that's exciting. You know, like I'm sure that there'll be a lot of fundamental AI that actually does work really, really well across industries. But the nice part about being so focused on the financial services vertical, the wealth management vertical, and working with financial advisors specifically, is that we can decrease the complexity of the technology and increase the quality of the technology as it's applied specifically to the problems that our industry faces, right? And so, you know, I think that that kind of accelerates the speed at which we can build useful things that actually work in the real world. You know, it's funny, you know, at the very beginning of the podcast, you were saying how, um, you know, most people uh, want to be on the cutting edge. And, you know, it's interesting, you know, I think our experience with financial services is actually that some people want to be on the cutting edge and they're great as early adopters, you know, for our newest products, but many, many, many firms want things to be fully baked. You know, they want to make sure it's reliable, it's secure, it's stable, it's 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 private. You know, all the uh, regulatory um, requirements that our partners actually have actually cause them to oftentimes not want to be early adopters. And so, you know, having an environment where we can kind of beta test, you know, our capabilities and having our technologies being applied to kind of very narrow um, spaces allows us to get to you know more mature products more quickly. Absolutely. We, we work with some of the largest broker dealers and lots of large insurance companies, and they're clearly uh, in the wait and see approach with some technology. Yeah. Right. So they're not going to just jump right in with two feet on, on AI as an example. And we, we were talking to one of the top 10 insurance companies just um, the other day. And their question was, how do we dip our toe in the water here? What can, what's the low hanging fruit that we can get some benefits from AI tools that mm -hmm. won't trigger regulatory or compliance issues, mm -hmm. right? So, things like meeting automation, right? You just order, you just you're taking existing information, automating it, summarizing it, or expanding on it yep. uh, for advisors. That's everything stays in house, um, or is, or is run through compliance as all email is and captured is relatively safe. Or call centers, you know, working with your call center to give your build an, an, an LLM for all of the uh, technology technical information. A level one um, call center person might need and to be able to surface it for them or things like marketing where you're automating generating social media content that still has to be going that still has to go through compliance but it's saving 80 yep. percent of the time of doing the initial work so 
those are sort of low-hanging fruit where we're seeing uh, firms looking at, at AI solutions. And there's more complicated ones, like you mentioned, real-time assistance. You know, I saw a proof of concept uh, from a custodian where it was a chatbot where the advisor could say, my client lost their debit card. What do I do? And it would come up saying, here's the form you got to fill out. It would yep. populate the form with the client's information or, yep. or right away. When that's, that's the hardest thing when you're working with any large system, whether you're working at a large broker dealer, a wirehouse custodian, just trying to find the myriad of options and things you need to do, as you mentioned, 529s or do a rollover or do um, if someone passes away, God forbid, right? what's, what, what's all the paperwork I need to do? And having a system that can bring all that forward, pre-populate yep. it, move it along the workflow for you would be incredibly beneficial for advisors and their staff. Yeah, I, I agree. You know, there's the you know the to- the topic you raised kind of earlier, which is like, hey, if you if you're interested in AI, you want to get started. Where, where like where are good places to start? I often refer to kind of two concepts that I think are relevant in the answering of that question, like kind of wh- where's the low hanging fruit. Um, one is you know at the beginning, you know, I, I I may have mentioned you know when we think about AI, we think about it in three work streams. One is technology that actually helps augment the ability of a human in, uh, you know, in a lot of circles, people are calling that co-pilot. Um, uh, so for example, you know, there's co-pilot for software engineers where you've got AI helping you kind of validate that the code you wrote is optimal or whatever it is. Um, and so in our space, you know, we're big believers that humans will continue to be play an important role in the delivery of financial services. And so using AI to augment the capability of the human is going to be very, very helpful. Unlike another second area, which is technology that actually helps automate away the need for a human, right? And so that obviously, you know, also gets a lot of media attention is like, oh, where are all the jobs going to go? You know, the, the AI is going to kind of put us all out of work. I think that's going to happen to some extent in financial services. There's a lot of stuff that's done manually and that really shouldn't be. Um, so there's going to be a ton of efficiency gained by firms that adopt AI to, to you know, replace um, kind of manual human processes. Um, and then the third angle is around customer experience. You know, how can AI be used to create a better, more compelling customer experience that's either better, faster, cheaper, you know, some combination of all of that. And so in those three buckets, I think from a early adopter, regulatory risk perspective, um, the first bucket, you know, technology that helps augment the capability of the human actually is probably the lowest risk area. Because you always have the human being there, you know, observing and analyzing for quality and, you know, kind of being the belt and suspenders, right? Unlike an area, you know, if you if you were focused on an area that was complete automation, you know, eliminate the human, turn it all over to the machine, then you run some risk. Like, what if the machine is wrong? Or what if, you know, it, it does something um, unexpected? Um, so that's kind of one framework. Like, what is the domain space of the problem you're trying to solve? Um, and then another area, you know, I, I, I kind of, uh, you know, for those of uh, your audience who's kind of a little bit more interested in the underlying technology and the techniques, one of the things that comes up a lot is that, you know, AI is built off models. And in the world of models, um, if you were to split the world of models into two, one way to split them is this idea of statistical models versus computational models. And it turns out that one of these two, I think, has lower risk versus higher risk. Statistical models are ones that are really built off analyzing large data sets. And what they try to do is they try to predict based on historical patterns, 
what is more or less likely. Um, and so, for example, marketing optimization, there's no right or wrong answer. There are more likely to be effective, less likely effective marketing strategies. Um, fraud analysis. This is another area that you know AI has been used for many, many years. One of my first jobs was actually building fraud prediction models and fraud detection models for Amazon. And um, you know that's another area where you're using big data sets and statistics to try to predict the likelihood of, of fraud. Um, versus computational models. These are models that are really built around the idea that there is a right and a wrong, right? Like if you built a model to uh, to analyze what, what two plus two is, you know, there's a right model and there's a wrong model. And, um, you know, I think this is an area where like a lot of people believe that in the long, long term, there will be fully optimized, you know, self-driving finance, you know, algorithms that really help clients optimize how their money is managed, you know, that really don't involve, you know, much human intervention. That's really kind of a more of a computational model. And if you think about it, the regulatory and risk implications of computational models being wrong are incredibly high. You know, if you were a financial institution and you adopted AI to give your clients financial advice, and it turns out the AI was giving bad advice, you know, that would be incredibly risky, bad reputational damage, your regulators would be all over you. And so again, in the idea of kind of low hanging fruit, kind of where can I start? Um, I generally tend to kind of um, point people to, you know, more statistical use cases where, you know, there's less chance of being right versus wrong and more uh, tolerance for, um, you know, error is not even the right word because there is no right or wrong. It's more about, you know, kind of, um, creating kind of the right predictions that, you know, help, you know, optimize outcomes. So, you know, those are some of the areas that, you know, we oftentimes, you know, when we think about the longer term arc of AI and where do we invest in the near term versus longer term investments, you know, we're placing more of our investments in areas that um, are likely to be kind of commercially valuable sooner. That makes perfect sense. Well, you know, you've got to have some things that are coming out soon. You can't put everything in the long-term bucket. You've got to have some of your tech uh, budget towards functionality that you can sell now. So, For sure. so to summarize, we've got some new technology coming. We've got some stuff in the pipeline. Uh, it's going to be coming out very soon. Um, we're kind of out of time. I really wanted to kind of dig in a little bit farther, but you know, time just flies here. Can you tell the audience where they can find more information about SigFig? Sure. Um, yeah, just uh, visit our website, sigfig.com, S-I-G-F-I-G. And uh, you know, obviously, if you're an institution, you know, we've got lots of great team members who would love to talk to you and you know, share you share with you kind of demos and examples of you know the way we're working with you know many many different firms. Um, if you're an advisor interested in this, you know, obviously, uh, you know, we don't um, work with individual advisors directly, but we do work with lots of advisors through our partners. Um, and so, um, you know, that's, you know, kind of part of how we work is we work with kind of institutions. Um, and then, yeah, if anyone, uh, you know, wants to contact us, um, you know, we've got contact info and happy to share it with you so that, uh, you know, your listeners can reach out to us. Fantastic. Mike, thanks so much for being here. Yeah, my pleasure. And uh, great to be on the show and uh, look forward to keeping in touch over time.
Hey, it's Craig again. Here are my top three takeaways from this episode. Number one, uh, some AI capabilities are coming to the SIG Fig product suite. Uh, according to uh, Mike, it's less a separate product, uh, more like incorporating AI throughout their ecosystem. And according to him, it's going to be way beyond chat GPT. We're seeing this everywhere. Everyone's rushing to incorporate uh, generative AI tools inside their existing products, adding features. Uh, we're going to see it everywhere. You're kind of going to get overwhelmed and maybe inundated with AI everywhere. That's going to be an issue because if all your different applications are running different versions of generative AI, giving different types of information to you, it's definitely going to be helpful, but it could become a problem for some larger companies uh, as to which AI you should be working with. And if they're giving different answers for different questions, could be an issue. Number two, uh, some predictions around AI that Mike made, uh, that it will be augmenting advisors, not replacing them. And I tend to agree with that for the most part. Uh, th there may be some advisors who get replaced, but it's similar to the robo-advisors, the low-hanging fruit, the advisors who maybe aren't keeping up with the times and aren't adding enough value to their clients. They may be replaced, but that's a very small number. Most advisors will be augmented. And coincidentally, we have an article out on our website called Augmented Intelligence, the Future of Financial Advisory, which is a, a great article you should check out on wealthtechtoday.com. Uh, number two, automation. So predictions that, that Mike made, uh, there'll be a lot of automation available for, from AI, which we also support. Um, you know, there's lots of different kinds of AI, not just the generative kind. And he also mentioned that it's going to be greatly improving client experience. And I couldn't agree more with that. Uh, third takeaway, SigFig is launching a product called Engage, which is going to provide virtual meetings, virtual collaboration for advisors and clients. Uh, according to Mike, it's going to supplement uh, talking uh, with your clients with interactive content. It will have integrated workflows and he believes it will increase sales effectiveness of advisors. All right, that's all. You've made it to the end of another episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Please go to our website, ezragroup.com, scroll to the bottom of the homepage and sign up for our newsletter. Once a month, you'll receive an email chock full of wealth management, goodness, news, information, updates. You will not be disappointed, trust me. And thanks again for listening. Talk to you all again next time.